Welcome to Her Enterprise with me, Melissa. Hey, and me, Kelly. And it's me, Nicole. Join this group of entrepreneurial women building community and masterminding through our problems. So we can all lean into your values, cut what doesn't serve you, and grow in abundance. Let's get to it, changemakers. Hi, welcome to Her Enterprise. This is Kelly, and today I'm here with Melissa. Hey, how are you doing? Good, and Nicole. Hi, Kelly. How's it going? It's going great, you guys. I'm so excited. Today I get to introduce you guys to my favorite tax guy that I unreasonably rave about, like... I don't know. It's a. I get so thrilled <laughs> about working with Tony, and it's been really fun. So I can't wait for everybody to meet Tony. Um, Tony Clark is an enrolled agent. He's been doing taxes for 22 years and just has been a game changer. He's taken like an area that I have dreaded in the past and just helped me like up level it. And people are like, "What do you love about Tony?" And I was like. I never feel judged because I feel like I'm the scattered creative and he makes sense out of my like scattered creativity. And then he's always helping me like up level. He meets my like competitiveness where I'm like, how do I do better next year? And he's super responsive. And I always call him one of my favorite team members in my business. So um, why don't you say hi, Tony? Let us <laughs> Let us know how you're doing. Thank you for that, Kelly. But I, I'm your favorite tax guy. Come on. I mean, you're my only tax guy, but <laughs> <laughs> I like sent. Last time we met, we did like um, a review because we had like four months. We did our tax planning. So Tony's also a tax planner, and we had like four months this year. My husband and I were we neither of us were working so we had to like regroup our tax plan and i took a selfie when we were there to all my friends i was like you guys i know this is really ridiculous but i get to meet tony and i like schedule it for my birthday because it's like all right even if i have to pay taxes it means i made enough money to have to pay taxes so <laughs> that is that's the, that's the truth kelly that is the truth so many people complain about paying taxes and listen we all want to minimize what we pay, but if you're making money, if you're paying taxes, that means you're making money. Yeah. Can you, so I loved it when our like first time we met, um, I was like, you told me you do tax planning and I was like, what is tax planning? And I don't think people recognize the difference between like a tax preparer and tax planning and then maybe any other like services you offer. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure thing. So for us here at uh, Capstone CPA Group, tax planning is a part of tax preparing. And I, I hope that makes sense once I get through here. A tax preparer, um, if somebody is simply preparing your taxes, you print off your W-2s and hand them some other numbers and statements that say important tax documents, <clears throat> and they shove those into a machine tell you how much you owe or how much your refund is and say, well, I'll see you next year. That's just straight up tax preparation. What we try to do is uh, spend the year 
planning so uh, our clients and individuals can make decisions throughout the year, spending money in certain ways or not spending money in certain ways to minimize their, their tax effect from year to year. Um, a typical tax engagement involves a, a pre-meeting, a dropping off of the tax documents, a review, a discussion around those tax documents. And then when the tax return is done, everybody sits down in a room, we go over the tax return, we see what happened, the good and the bad, and we discuss why it happened. Because uh, you know, education is 90% of the battle here. If everybody's on the same page, me and my client, uh, we're gonna get so much further. And then we finish up with a really good question. Hey, what's going to change this year? What's going to change two years from now? What are your plans and goals five years from now? And we start to build a strategy to minimize the tax effect and maximize cash flow for that period. Um, services that we offer is tax planning, tax preparation. We work with individuals and businesses, so we offer the full uh, business services suite. Uh, we do uh, bookkeeping for clients. Uh, we have payroll services. So as your business grows and you need employees, uh, we're there to help. Okay. That's, uh, that's it in a nutshell. That's amazing. That's a lot of offerings and... Um, it's just wonderful to know that's all available right here. And I, I know your email address now. I know how to get a hold of you, Tony. So watch out. Um, I just so um, for our audience, of course, where her enterprise podcast is about women in their first first one to three years of business. So my question is about when you're first starting your side hustle. Usually, you start small and then you grow um, to where you need employees eventually, right? So. My question was, when you're starting a side hustle, what would you recommend one of the best ways to file? And I know this is really personal, but would it be as a sole proprietor, a partnership, LLC? Can you give us a little bit of feedback or information on how to how to file in the beginning? Sure. Well, there's really like two ideas going on here. So if you have one person who is starting this business, then they would start out as a sole proprietor. They might just have a, a DBA or a doing business as, um, but that's a sole proprietor. Now, anytime you have two or more people, then you're required to file as a partnership. File a partnership return, you split the income and deductions, however the partnership agreement is written up. Now an LLC, is a, a separate thing altogether. And it really does not affect us from a tax standpoint. A LLC is a creation of the states that provides legal protection um, for your business. I'm not an attorney, so I'm not even going to dive into all of that mm -hmm. because uh, that'll only get all of us in trouble. <laughs> um, but if you're going to form an LLC, I recommend you speak with your attorney. But from a tax standpoint, if you have one owner of an LLC, 
a single member in your LLC, then you are taxed as a sole proprietor on Schedule C on your own 1040. If you have two members in the LLC, then you're taxed as a partnership and you would have to prepare a partnership return. So um, I would say what I usually see and what makes a lot of sense to me is individuals starting as a sole proprietor. Um, if there is something within their business that makes them think they may require um, one of two things, either protection of their assets or they have a name they want to protect, a business name that they don't want anybody else to use. Those are two great reasons to form an LLC. Did we, did we get there? Yeah, no, that was perfect. Thank you. That was wonderful. Yeah. And that was, I mean, I feel like everyone, maybe not Kelly, but I saw Nicole and me and we were like, oh, like it was so <laughs> revealing that an LLC isn't even really in the same boat as <laughs> um, everything else when it comes to tax time. So that was, thank you for sharing that. You betcha. And if I could, um, so many times uh, business owners talk about, hey, Tony, I got my LLC. I'm being taxed as a sole proprietor right now, but I want to be an S-Corp. To the IRS, the IRS recognizes that individuals may want to change how we want to have ourselves taxed for our business. So they offer up um, some regulations that allow us to fill out a couple forms and we can transition that LLC to be taxed as an S-Corp without creating a whole brand new business. It still remains an LLC, but the IRS views it as an escort. Well, thank you for sharing with us that top level. I know I just learned something and obviously it raises new questions, um, but I'm sure some of those are too specific. So <laughs> I did want to ask though, I mean, it sounds like you have experience working with small businesses and so people who would be um, entrepreneurs. What are some of the big mistakes that they make when it comes to managing their business for, for taxes and how can they avoid it? I would say the biggest, one of the mistakes that I see is uh, that these individuals may fail to plan for their success or even the same, another side of the same coin is failing to plan for their failure. What I often see, that was the Tony Clark pause. So <laughs> let me give you an example. So let's say that uh, Sally started her business and she's uh, She's just going gangbusters in 2019, right? Just going whole hog, making all sorts of cash. 2020 comes along and it's tax preparation time. She hasn't planned about what she's going to do with this money. Matter of fact, she's spent most of it. Pandemic hits, no more income. She has to file her taxes, big tax bill due. She didn't plan during the year what she was going to do with that cash. Mm. 
She didn't plan for taxes and she didn't plan for the future. What will happen if it fails? You know, the pandemic's out of her control and she may not have seen that coming. I know I didn't. Those are the kind of things that, that I see. It's failing to budget, if you will, for certain contingencies. That and then growth is sometimes really hard as your business starts to grow. When do I hire? How, how far can I go? What can I afford? I'd say those are the, the problems that I see the most. I, I get a lot of sad people across the table when they don't have the money to pay their taxes. <laughs> Not a lot, like four. four. <laughs> but it's memorable, right? It's memorable when somebody, when you, when you, you don't, you're not ready. It's, it's hard. It is. And there's a big difference between telling somebody they owe $20,000 in taxes on April 15th versus a year before saying, hey, listen, we're going to need to put aside a couple thousand dollars every month for taxes. And so that way they come into April 15th ready to roll. Big difference. I like that. I like how you gave the number example and, and broke it down saying... So the mistake there is not budgeting and setting aside money so that whether they owe something or not, at least they're ready to handle it. That's right. This is not on the questions, but so it sounds like you're a proponent for quarterly taxes. Do you recommend that? Can we talk about that? (laughs) (laughs) We can talk about that. Um, I mean, a proponent, that means I'm out there uh, walking the street telling do it. <laughs> uh, it's more like quarterly taxes are required. And so in that way, I am a proponent for sure. If we don't make our estimated taxes, our quarterly estimates, then uh, come the end of the year, there's going to be uh, under-reporting penalties and all that fun stuff. Maybe a little interest. Side note, I usually see the states have higher rates of penalty and interest. So we always try to take care of the states first if there's only so much cash to go around. I love this. Okay, so when people are just starting and maybe they're making a little bit of money, um, but they're not sure, are there certain like breakpoints or limits of like, when I need to like formalize my side hustle or when when I need to start filing taxes? Like, is it like if you make more than $600 or something like that, you need to count it? And then... Um... It's right from the get-go. <laughs> okay. Right from the get-go. Any income must be reported. But the other side of that is any reasonable expenses in the pursuit of that income may be deducted. So, you know, if you're running your side hustle and, you know, of course that first year it's hard maybe to turn a profit as you're you're laying out some, some money to, to make that money um, and you end up with a loss, hey, that's okay. You know, as long as it's, uh, it's real, right? Yeah. You really spent the money and uh, it'll reduce your overall taxable income. Yeah, I, I'm a big proponent of, you know, we're, we're putting it all on there. We're playing this game straight. And uh, I bet you thought I was going to say I was a proponent of quarterly taxes. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
But if you are making a, a run at a business with your side hustle, um, you're going to have expenses. Well, let's let's claim those expenses. Yeah. I can't tell you how many times throughout the... I mean, not as much anymore because I think maybe you've trained me well. But I <laughs> like before where I'd be like, oh, can I count this? Or how I would try and get like creative just use my creative and sometimes with creativity and sometimes when it would go like maybe a little bit too far I'd like be grounded by hearing your voice say just play it straight Kelly (laughs) (laughs) and it wasn't even like any malintention I was like oh can it be this if I do this and then I mean obviously if it was something to consider I would tell you about it, but usually I would just come back to like, I'm overcomplicating it and just play it, <laughs> like just play it straight. And that's always been a great comeback. Yep. It's all going to, it's all going to work out in the end. Hmm. I like it. Okay. So you were talking just now about startup costs and, taking losses if you're just starting your first year you know you're you're making income but then you're spending just as much or or more because of how you're trying to grow when i'm writing off startup costs and taking a loss how many years can i hold off on reporting if i have a low income year coming up should i wait so i think what i mean by that is do you always take the losses the year that they happen or do you sometimes spread that out? There's one thing about taxes is things are very specific to the year in which they happen. Every year is an event and what happens within that event is reported within that event. So this year goes on the form for that year. So to that end, you would report those startup costs. Now, you do have options with things like uh, startup or organizational costs. I get to use a tax term, so I'm smiling over here. You get to amortize that if you want to. And amortize is like, rather than take all of the expense at once, you take it over the life of that asset. So these startup costs are an asset, an intangible asset, but an asset. So you can take those over 15 years. That's what the IRS has said. You get 15 years. So you can imagine that really spreads out a little tiny expense each year. I don't know. To that end, that is one of those things where you have the conversation as you're having your your taxes prepared. And should I do it now or should I amortize it over 15 years? And a lot of that depends on... uh, where the business is headed and when. Hmm. I mean, I, I, I kind of think you would want to take that expense sooner rather than later. Just, I guess, digging a little deeper in that is if you don't start turning a profit by a certain amount of time, then it's considered a hobby, right? Like you can't, if like you have at some point you have to make the business successful or profitable. Mm-hmm. And so would you amortize to make, the numbers look better or or how many years do you have if that's correct or if, if it's misinformation you can knock down that myth right now to, to like to turn a profit there are the hobby loss rules and 
I'll just leave that out there for everybody to go ahead and Google Hobby Lost World, <laughs> just so you kind of have some background knowledge. But the gist of it is you need so many profitable years within a certain period. But that's not the total answer. I mean, if you're running a legit business and you just happen to lose money for six years in a row, but it's legitimate and you're running it like a business with the intent to make a profit, chances are the hobby loss rules are not going to affect you. Mm -hmm. The IRS would look at the facts and circumstances um, and you would lay it out in front of them as such. So as far as the startup costs, it kind of depends. I mean, maybe you had startup costs of $100,000. Well, maybe then it really does make sense to spread it out over a certain amount of time. Matter of fact, you might be required to. But if you had startup costs of just, say, a couple thousand dollars, then, um, you know, why spread that over, over 15 years? That's not tax advice. That's just me. (laughs) 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 Well, thank you for continuing to shed light on this dark cave of taxes for some of us. (laughs) It's it's so great to have a light shine bright on all those little spaces. Um, It's fun to be able to talk about it because when I go home at night and we sit down at the dinner table. Uh, my wife and my daughter, they don't want to hear anything. What is the matter? <laughs> How come they don't want to talk? No, I get it. I completely um, This is a question, actually. Um, my friend Angel from Case Southside, go follow her on Instagram. She is a digital journalist from the south side of San Antonio, and she um, recently started her business And so, you know, whatever you can tell us, Tony, she asked this question, what kinds of things can you write off for your business if you're working from home? And I know this has changed in recent years because I've noticed it um, when I have done taxes. So um, what is your take on this question? Okay, so there's there's a couple things going on here. If you're an employee and you just happen to be working from home, um, your employer has sent you home to work or that's an option you have. So you do it. Uh, There's really no avenue to write off these expenses. Perhaps your employer has some sort of plan where they can reimburse you for certain things. Um, So that's there. If you're a sole proprietor and you want to uh, take, uh, you want to deduct for the business use of your home, I would recommend that you check out IRS Publication 587. That one lays out in in uh, real nice English. It's not all uh, a bunch of just strung together legal terms um, of what you can deduct. And um, it gives some really good examples of that. I would say this, that to have the uh, the home home office deduction, that this home office has to, and these are the technical terms, regular and exclusive use for the business. Mm-hmm. So this can't be, uh, you know, your guest bedroom that doubles with a desk in the corner. Um, you know, this needs to be a legit 
exclusive use office. Uh, and there's all sorts of things. I mean, there is a lot that would go into the calculation of the deduction um, because it is based on, let's say you have a 100 square foot office mm -hmm. in a 2000 square foot home. Well, that's <laughs> what, 5%, right? Yeah. So 5% of things such as mortgage interest, property taxes, homeowners insurance. So there's a lot that can go into that calculation. Um, so I would definitely recommend checking out that IRS publication 587. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> and if you want a sneak peek, uh, you can check out form 8829. And that's the form that actually handles the calculation. Great. Thank you so much, Tony. And thanks, Angel, for the question. Awesome. We'll make sure we include those in the show notes. I took notes. <laughs> um, so, okay, Tony, this is a little bit of a pivot, but cash and reporting your cash. <laughs> so I, for, I talked to other business owners and for some reason I'm baffled as to like I, how many times I talk to people and they just don't re report like cash payments or things like that. Do, I mean, no, it's not me. <laughs> this is not me. I've been by Tony. But I always think about, I don't know, like I am always thinking about like social security if I ever get it right. Or like if I want to buy a house, whatever, but are there, are those like good, can we talk about reporting cash and like what people could miss out if they like don't report cash other than like. Other than inside of a prison cell. Yeah. Prison yeah. cell. Yeah. <laughs> like scouts honor. Like what if I, you know, if I'm like hiding a book, have you ever seen marvelous Mrs. Maisel and how they like shove books? They have a second book with all the cash. And that, that they're doing, and then yes. they hide it in like the in-laws' house, and it's shoved in the back with a whole bunch of cash. I'm not doing that, <laughs> but I don't think people always think through the consequences of like not reporting cash other than prison. But are there other reasons why maybe people should report cash? <laughs> I think that prison—that's a pretty good reason, right there. Good start. Um, and fines. So there you go. You okay. still owe tax on it. So, I mean, other reasons. Uh, let's say um, someday, I mean, you pointed out, Kelly, the uh, Social Security. I mean, that that's a little something there. Um, I can think of, like, you want to buy a house. Yes. You need a mortgage. You can't say to the bank, well, here's my tax return. It shows I made $4,000 last year. But really, I made all of this. That's not going to get you anywhere. Boy, when I saw that question, I thought it was like cash versus accrual. I didn't know we were. Oh, gonna go I mean, you can talk about that too. <laughs> no, that's no. I'm talking. I mean, it seems silly and it seems funny and it seems like something that only happens in the movies. But I think it's a good question because, and I, I'm going to get a little political here. I feel like that's one of the concerns that people have is immigrants don't pay taxes or something like that. And oh. that's a big issue. But people don't mm -hmm. think about the fact that, you know, there's a lot of service jobs where people don't report their money. They, you yeah. know, whether they're waitresses or bartenders or anything else where you get tipped in cash. 
yeah, there's a lot of people that don't realize, hey, I need to actually report this money because mm-hmm. that's just not what, what they're taught. So <laughs> I think it's important that people need to like realize that, oh, yeah, there is a legal ramification to that. But then there's also, you know, benefits that you're losing out on. So, yeah, like from what I understand, I think it's like your social security benefits are calculated by your highest earning years. People yep. should look this up. Like, don't I'm Tim Allening the whole conversation, but like, <laughs> it's like your highest years. But and then us like looking at how houses like we bought our house just based on our W2 income. But now that I'm a stronger earner, I'm always like every dollar I end up wanting to count somehow so that I like, I'm like, okay, so this will help. Yeah. And and another little thing is uh, if you want to contribute to some sort of retirement account, traditional IRA or IRA or whatever, you can only contribute earned income. Yeah. Uh, You can't put in, you know, the money under the mattress or anything like that. There you go. Mm-hmm. I guess bring this back down. That was a little uh, <laughs> intense. That was an intense section there. Are there milestones an entrepreneur should watch out for in their business? Like when is a good time to hire a tax person? Um, and what are the advantages and disadvantages? Personally, I think you should hire tax help right from day one. Um, <clears throat> there are s- more than several times we've had individuals show up and they're in year three and they're coming to see us only because now they have a problem and they need us to solve that problem. And usually we can solve that problem and then, you know, start down a real like yellow brick road of tax happiness right after that. Uh, But if they would have seen us from the beginning and made some of those decisions about what they can spend money on, um, tax planning so they don't end up in a hole. Uh, so I really think right from the beginning. Because also, we, we talked about it earlier. Somebody's got a side hustle. Should I be deducting this money right away? Well, yes, you should, um, you know, for this reason and this reason. But a lot of it depends uh, on an individual's particular tax and financial situation. And I can throw out tons of generalities, but it's it's going to come down to where is this person? Where is she right now? And what would be the best course of action? A real, real good time, if we're going to pick a time, is when you start to think that you need extra help in your business. Either you want to hire an employee or... Um, you might be able to subcontract some some of the things that you need done. Both of those have um, uh, compliance obligations, reporting obligations, and possibly additional taxes. So it's it's those kind of things that you might not be aware of when you make that decision about, yeah, I need to get somebody else in here. I feel like it gives you a different way of thinking about your business too, when you are thinking about it in terms of the future and profit. And that's what the planner is, right? That's why we want to work with Tony, because then all of a sudden your business is more of a tangible thing and you're making a plan versus just, oh, do I even have separate accounts? Oh, what did I spend money on? Like it, it just makes you more organized and more accountable to your business, I feel like. So yeah, um, 
so much that um, that we have seen. You know, we work with individuals and businesses. We've seen businesses in different parts of the life cycle. Somebody who started something as a side hustle, and now it's thriving. Somebody who bought a business. Somebody who sold a business. And that knowledge that's trapped in our skulls, we can share that with you. Yes, I love that. Okay, so we know that everyone has their own personal way, their brains work, but do you, as a tax preparer, planner, have any favorite tools or apps you'd recommend for those of us that are tracking and keeping organized of all of our stuff? If say, you know, we're gonna come sit down with you, what's a good way I could maybe start keeping track of things so I'm not a complete disaster when I sit in your office <laughs> with you or get online with Zoom since it's coronavirus. <laughs> sure. Um, you know, first of all, I, I don't want the, uh, you know, the Kroger bag of receipts or anything like that. It's a terrible way to walk <laughs> to the office. Let's see, as far as record keeping, what's most important is that records are kept. Okay, the IRS doesn't require that we use uh, an accounting software or anything like that. I've seen it as simple as um, one individual, they did put all their receipts in a bag, but then they, at the end of the year, took them all out, sorted them by category, took a category, added it up, stapled it, and wrote on the top uh, the total for that category. And then that's what they brought in. That works. It works for them and it works for me. Um, I've seen Excel spreadsheets. I've seen handwritten sheets. Uh, the important thing is that you have a system and it works for you because that means you'll do it. Mm-hmm. Whether that means you go out and you get an accounting software or you're keeping receipts or you're keeping a spreadsheet as long as it works for you. And then you can walk, you know, when you're ready to do that tax return, you have, here's my total income. Here are my expenses by categories. As long as it works for you. Um, I think a real nice one to have is one of those mileage apps. I say that, I don't have one. (laughs) (laughs) For certain industries where you're doing a lot of driving around in particular, You're required to keep a mileage log, and these things do it automatically for you. There are several accounting softwares that allow you to do your invoicing online and get paid online. I think those are are awesome, especially if you're working as a side hustle or just getting started. You don't need to spend a lot of money on any kind of fancy accounting software. I would say the simpler, the better. Yeah, I always say what works is what you do <laughs> like, or what you'll use. And yep. then when you recommended that like mileage tracking where you were like, you could just like swipe one way or the other. And it, as whether it's a business thing or a personal one. And I, um, so I use QuickBooks personal and it's like a $10 a month one. And I, to keep, especially with keeping track of mileage, I used to like just kind of like write down, okay, it's this many miles from here to there, and then I went. But then when I would like actually track the mileage I was doing, it was way more. I like was way underestimating how much mileage I was using. And I feel like 
don't know. I underestimate a lot. A lot about my expense. <laughs> that, that's, yeah. that's a big part of record keeping is that you realize um, just how much you are spending on this or that. Uh, mm -hmm. This applies in our personal life as well. I mean, but even for business, you know, if, if you're in the habit of taking clients to lunch or coffee and you're like, well, those were, that was just a few bucks that, that just doesn't matter. Well, these, these things all add up. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. that we need to report all of our income. We might as well report all of our expenses. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I like what, like, what is watched changes, right? That whole philosophy mm -hmm. of, like, if I know Tony's going to see my business expense, like, account, right, because you have access to it, then I'm like, all right, I guess I better be... <laughs> <laughs> it holds me a little bit accountable where like I guess I better like be way more responsible with this because Tony will just give me this look and a deep breath right like <laughs> accountability through shame I mean it whatever works right yeah, it's also right like there have been years where you've been like oh, good job like, <laughs> like and yes. so I think that's also been a fun like driver for me so like, how can people work with you if they want to work with you? Who, what type of people do you work with? How, how would you like them to come to you? Like, would you like prepared? <laughs> like, well, like any tax preparer, you know, I want everybody to, to show up, you know, like, like, like they tried. <laughs> <laughs> Please try. <laughs> but if, if you, you are bringing in a, a, a um, the information for your business, you know, lay it out like a business. Here's my income. Here's my expenses. Get it on a piece of paper, whether it's uh, accounting software or a spreadsheet. Number one, it makes it a much more clear path to file your taxes. But it's also a tool, a tool for, you know, each of us to run our own businesses. You know, it's seeing, here's the money that came in. Where did it go? And then the next quarter, you can also look back and see, here's how I did this quarter. How did I do last quarter? Yeah. Oh, okay. What changed? And year over year, period over period uh, gives you that opportunity. Um, how can they find me? Is there a website? Would you prefer us to try to get a hold yeah. of you through a website? I mean, we can share your email if you want. The website would be awesome. Our emails are all on there. Okay. Um, it's capstonecpagroup.com. We're located in Grand Rapids, Michigan. You know, we work primarily with small businesses, uh, whether that's somebody who's reporting as a sole proprietor, <laughs> small sales, or, you know, some of our clients have millions of dollars in sales. It, it's, uh, uh, we run the gamut there. And you said you're in Grand Rapids. Do you only work with people locally? I, I'm i on the other side of, of Michigan, and I'm interested in Nicole's in Texas. So do you work with people outside of the state? We do. We do. Usually not California, though. <laughs> if you're from California, you know why. <laughs> um, but we do. We have clients all over the U.S. Say that, but, you know, not every state, but they're around. Cool. So we could work work with you virtually then if we needed to and just email you our our 
tax records and all that good stuff if we wanted to work with you. Yeah, I tell you, that's one thing with this whole uh, lockdown. It's like even an old dinosaur like me, I've mm-hmm. we've been forced to learn how to work virtually. And, uh, you know, there's more and more of our clients have only communicated via Zoom or whatever. I love it. Well, thank you so much, Tony. Um, I'm sure you'll agree for the record, this is all educational purposes. (laughs) And so so find your own Tony, hire Tony or find your own Tony and like Mm -hmm. get a planner. I am so thankful for um, just the motivation you brought to my life and business. And I'm so thrilled to be able to share you with our community. And so thank you so much. Well, thank you. My pleasure. Hey, change makers. We're always so happy to have you here listening along to the Her Enterprise podcast. Today's episode 018 was an interview with Tony Clark. He's a tax planner and he shared with us so much about how we should think about our money in our entrepreneurship and in our business to maximize our tax savings. He also talked to us about the benefits and the ramifications of how you handle your cash when you're paid in cash. We'll be sharing Tony's website and his contact information on the show notes so that you can get a hold of him if you're in need of adding a tax planner to your money team. The ladies from Her Enterprise are a woman's collective of knowledge, inspiration, and connection. We are change makers. This is a podcast for the whole person. It is for you and your business. Let's grow, let's flourish, let's rise with her enterprise. Are you ready to be a change maker? Hit subscribe.